I think this might be pushing it, or this might be the last straw. <laughs> so you you'll put a link you'll put a link in the show notes, um, or you'll upload this to Imager or whatever. But uh, so I forget where with this I found this somewhere on Reddit, and I can't tell with this if it's suggesting that you're tipping TurboTax or you're tipping the federal government. <laughs> Both of which are funny, but so what somebody did was they uh, they took a screenshot of. Um, uh, their TurboTax refund and process. Um, apparently it's an Ohio resident, but it has the the square or the toast terminal, like where they they flip around the screen to you, and it's saying uh, add a tip and fifteen, eighteen, twenty, or thirty percent. I do like because this is I think this is a toast inspired one because toast has the thing where they will suggest what types of service the percentages go with, and I do think these are the same ones. Where, uh, yeah, best service ever is one of the options if you check out at a coffee shop that is that uses Toast software. I'm pretty sure this was the same screen that appeared during the infamous Hamilton tipping incident. Yeah, you know, it's weird how, how small that button is where you had to go really out of your way to press it. Mm. Kind of a tick move. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, yeah, so anyway... I think it's fun. I do. I I'm gonna choose to think that it, they're they're saying that you're tipping the government, or they can like it's like that thing where there's that. Th- um, I don't know if this is a is this a California thing or is it a federal thing where there's a thing that says like, do you want it? Well, no, it'd be federal. Do you want to donate like three dollars to the presidential election fund? No, I do not. <laughs> no, you're not aware of it, or no, you do not. No, I do not. Do so I, I do not want to do so. Okay, I I did it as a joke one year. I don't I don't I don't think I don't know who it was a joke against myself. I don't know who <laughs> I was going to say. Who was, who I mean, was no, the nobody's, nobody's looking at. It. Also, the thing that frustrates me about the about doing your taxes is mm. that if you do it wrong, they like I this I this is very much like a dumb like Joe Joe Seinfeld. Sorry, I'm really tired today, and I'm drinking coffee, and it's not working fast enough. And it's also nine twenty at night, so that's gonna be bad news. But it's very much a Jerry, Sein- Jerry Seinfeld type thing where um, uh, the, the, like they know how much you, like if you do, you do your taxes, it's an exercise in, in that whole thing. But if you do them wrong, like they already have all the information and they'll send you a check if you overpaid. That happened last week. Like I got $9 back from the government for, I don't know why, that was, it was not a stimulus payment. It's just like, oh yeah, you, you did it wrong. So then just... Other countries do this. This is this is a very old topic in Planet Money and ProPublica. Many people have talked about it and to death. But yeah, the government could just send you a postcard and just be like, "Here's how much you owe," and then we're 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 done. Right? But they don't. Right. And then if you somehow think that you have so many substantial deductions and other things, which we could also just simplify the tax code, um, you could do that. But otherwise, like yeah, other countries just say like yeah, give us money or mm-hmm. we owe you sli- we we owe you some. All right, but, but the but, reason. But I, then, what what would TurboTax do? Well, you're aware of their whole lobbying situation with Intuit, right? That, that was kind of part of the part of the joke there. Yeah. Oh, because oh, I was putting a hat on a hat. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but the reason I bring that up, and this is, we'll we'll put a clean edit point in here, just in case this becomes a not great topic. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, but you, you, I'm not sure if we've ever t- discussed tipping culture. So we'll ease into this, which in terms of like the pervasiveness of square terminals um, and tipping being the de facto thing, I feel like 
it 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 is getting slightly out of hand because like everybody I feel like probably upped their tipping propensity and kind of like like there's probably like a five to eight percent inflation when the pandemic hit where your average tip went up is that probably a fair assessment for you personally oh yeah definitely but like that in tandem or in parallel with the a proliferation of tap to pay and like ios or like what what would you call what square is like non like non like fancier cash registers like it's tipping has been become easier and also much more you are prompted for it with a much higher frequency than i feel like has had been the case 10 years ago fair fair like it used to be like hey restaurants coffee shops that's it now basically anything well i guess let me let me ask this if you're going to a place that like you're not ordering coffee you're, you're just ordering food and you there's no table service and you're just you're just leaving with it you are frequently prompted for a tip do you or should you <sighs> this it's a it's a great question um it's one you probably get asked six times a month right i i generally do and i i, I think yeah. it's i think it's a pandemic thing because i didn't used to but I generally do now. So if I'm picking up a pizza or yeah, picking up any sort of, you know, takeout food where I'm just, you know, in most cases taking it home, I I will generally leave not a very large tip, but but you know. Okay, how much? A percentage or dollar basis. Or if you're doing if we're talking about dollar basis, do the your 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 numbers guy do the math back in terms of what percentage that would have been based off the subtotal. Yeah, I'm not I'm not usually you know basing it off of some set percentage or anything like i'll typically do at a restaurant it's you know if it's a relatively small takeout order a couple of dollars and if it's a larger one you know maybe five well so how, how much should i be tipping so there's there's this great pizza place that i like uh wrap nearish to me don't be weird people uh called um uh, Longbridge Pizza, and you can go on the app, and or not on the app, but like they, since they use Square, you can also do an in the browser Apple Pay based order. So if I order two small pizzas that has a, a pre tax total of forty two dollars, and and uh, there is no service really being rendered, what should I be tipping? I mean, with something like that, so I mean that that price is actually pretty similar to the the pizza place that that we'll yeah. go to sometimes um, but that's the thing like in terms of like like large order like it it's just to just do pizza boxes yeah I, I i would i would probably do like five bucks i'm not saying that's the right answer i'm just saying that's kind of what i do these days i'm you know yeah. i'm still very much in the kind of like making up for the pandemic mode i don't know if i still have like a little bit of like guilt or something that I wasn't as personally economically impacted or a combination of that. And also an appreciation for being able to like go out to restaurants and eat and everything, which was, you know, not a thing there for a while. So, well, so that, so that's tricky. Okay. So that's So we'll, let's put a pin in that. Don't let me forget that. Cause that's going to go into the, the, the next thing or the more, the more prime example that I'm talking about, but I think your assessment is pretty much correct. So what I do is, yeah, I, I end up doing like whatever, like there's like 10 or 12%. And that ends up being like about five bucks. And I feel like that feels fine. 
Like in terms of like, because I I've been on kind of like the past year or so, been on kind of a a, a pastry and croissant binge. I, so I feel yeah, like your your Instagram confirms that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, like, it, it's good content, but people should like. I feel like that that's the kind of takeout that makes sense. Like you, you throw a buck or two on something like that. I I like it. It's like just kind of like with my like cocktail thing. And again, I understand this is a different context, but like cocktails, what you should tip is not a percentage base. It's just five bucks each. And then you just kind of go from there. That's that's easy. And then with uh, like a bakery, a dollar for each like thing that you got like that. That seems to make sense. But for like you've been to Starbird in Marin, right? The chicken place. Yep. Their app prompts you for a tip every time. Like that is like basically fast food. Mm. that's one where i'm no like i don't know like that 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 i feel like that's where the the slippery slope or kind of just the the difficulty is so but now this next one this is this is where i feel like we might uh end up cutting this a segment but i think we're doing good so far let me um where is the uh, these squarespace sites you can never you can never know which which topic are we going to? There's there's a couple here that I might get mad about. Is this one that I know about already? No, this this no. This is this is this still about tipping. Okay, okay. So we're gonna go to Shafe. Are you familiar with the restaurant Shafeiko? No. Okay. Should it's I be? A fancy? It, eh, it it's 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 hot with the with the people in the know. Mm. <laughs> people the the people that have what what do I have now? Like Resi Premier status. Oh um, I, yeah, we let's let's come back to that. I want to know more about that. Yeah, the, it's the priority notification part that's that's interesting to me. Okay, so uh, open that link. Okay. So and also there was a, a SF Chronicle Shafe Eco because I feel like there is a good there was a very very good um, Chronicle article that talked about this in depth from the restaurant's perspective. But I actually forgot that this was a controversy. So they added this last summer. So Shafe Eco is a a definite three out of four dollar signs restaurant Mm -hmm. bordering on four out of four assuming we're excluding like crazy places so do you see where it says sf dining in charge uh right below make reservation um yes there's three buttons yeah so I'll, i'll read this in an effort to improve transparency and our success as a small business in the Bay Area, we have made some changes to our overall business model. One of these changes is our 10% dining in charge. This charge is representative of the true cost of dining inside a restaurant. It helps us pay a living wage to our employees as well as use the best pro- uh, products that are grown locally. It also helps a run a profitable and sustainable business that we hope can be there to feed our community for many years to come. Thank you for dining with us and supporting. Yeah. So, but... If you go to the menu, though, here's here's the part that's interesting. So on the menu, the way it says, uh, please note that this is not a gratuity. All gratuity it's distribu- is distributed to our entire team and greatly appreciated. So in summation, this is a 10% tax on top of sales tax and also on top of the what you see frequently at many San Francisco restaurants, which is the SF, a healthy SF mandate, which most which the restaurant could pay, but they generally will pass that off as a four to six percent, uh, just line item on your like table receipt. So, do you have since you were unaware of this? Do you have any immediate thoughts about this? I have a question. Sure. Maybe this is a dumb question, especially coming from the accountant. But sure. 
instead of having this separate line item, uh huh, why could they not just mm-hmm. kind of behind the scenes, you know, make their thirty dollar pizza thirty three dollars instead? And particular, uh-huh. and no shade here, but particularly in San Francisco, that would probably not go particularly noticed, Correct. and everybody would just move on. So what? Uh, Am I missing something here, or no? Is is this meant so to that, be? That, so, per, is this meant to be like provocative, perhaps? Uh, okay, so oh, see, we're, we're in, even though we disagree on so many things, we're in sync here. Okay. So this is the part that's challenging. So if you read the, I really like if you haven't, like even after the show, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'll bug you about it later in the week. Like I, I'm gonna verify that you actually read this. Like it makes, sorry, it doesn't make sense, but uh, but all the perspectives that they are inputting here makes sense. But this is like a broader overall discussion about the economics of dining both on the restaurant side and the consumer side, where one, like servers, like it's it's an unfair system where like in the United States, you actually don't have to be paid minimum wage because they, your employer has to make up the difference in tips if your tipped total does not equal the 17, 15 or whatever uh, San Francisco's minimum wage is. So you have that imbalance and then shafiko's point was also that the back of house generally doesn't see like they don't they don't see tips but also they and so therefore the dining in charge which is 10 percent on all gross receipts for the restaurant allows them to offer actual health care and to help pay the back of house staff uh more competitively so I guess the part that I struggle with here, because I was just remember reminded of this because I was looking for a dinner reservation this week, and there and I have one for Friday here, and I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it. Not because of this reason, but also because I looked at the prices, and uh, I don't remember uh, getting... Uh, if you look at their, their second courses, <laughs> it's 66 to $125. It's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. But it comes back to that exact same thing, which is, can you not just raise your prices and then just compete on and you can make a show of it like because to your point about being provocative i don't think it's that and i also don't think it's performative either but you it feels very very easy to either quietly raise your prices or loudly raise your prices and just be like hey we pride ourselves on being a restaurant that offers competitive pay and actual legitimate benefits to our entire team and just go with that Right. versus adding a thing that feels like a tip but isn't a tip and then still saying that it's challenge like i i see so many parts of this and i and i and it's such a challenging problem to solve just because even though some restaurants have tried to go in in the united states have tried to go tip free it just it hasn't worked because not enough people are willing to do it where it's just like this awkward like thought experiment for a lot of restaurants but like this, this, this is this is weird. I like I don't I don't hate, like that's the thing. Like if they were known for being like, hey, like insanely fresh farm to table, like fantastic, like all this, and we make it a point to be uh, very competitive and pay for and offer like like a, a compensation package for our employees that is above industry average. That would be another reason to dine at that place and pay like like higher prices i like i don't know this approach is is very bizarre to me 
Yeah. Well, the other challenging thing with it too is the fact that they have to specify that it's not gratuity. It just it feels like that's that message is probably going to get lost or people are just going to essentially treat it as gratuity anyway. And then, you know, folks are going to get shorted on tips, which then would kind of, you know, partially blunt the impact of the additional money this is bringing in. So I, yeah, I, well, I don't know. Well, well, that's the thing where like, and this was brought up in the Chronicle article. So again, sorry to read directly, but again, but uh, quote, many customers are supportive staff saying continue to tip generously in addition to the dine in charge, but others bristle at the steep prices and added fee circling it on the receipt and leaving a small tip according to employees. One diner wrote on Instagram that she got fed up and left after seeing the next level gouge menu prices. Despite explaining the fee on the Shafiko website, reservation system menu and check presenter, servers offer encounter confusion and even aggression. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I but I, I kind of sympathize with every, every all three entities in this in this transaction: the customer, the server that has to present the unhappy message frequently, and the business owners trying to make sense of a very competitive and complicated dining experience and economy right now. But also this is a, like a hot restaurant that does not generally have trouble filling tables. So that's, that's the part that's, that's tricky. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, people should go read that article. I thought that was very interesting, but uh, that, that couple, like saw both that TurboTax thing today and the Shafigo thing today. And it, yeah, <laughs> set off, set off a, a series of gears. Mm-hmm. I'm glad okay. we can, could unwind those here. Thank you. I think the coffee's kicking in. It's good. So, um, uh, two other things. So the opposite of coffee. Um, so you, this is not germane to anything, but you were unaware of this. Mm. Um, so somehow we got on this topic by talking about um, it being a good thing. And that used to be Martha Stewart's like catchphrase. Even though she is a persona non grata, to use a Shafiko language, uh, because of her... Um, uh, Breville Barista Express uh, steam wand uh, scrambled eggs, <laughs> which is long time ago. Again, I'm I'm like an elephant. I, I don't forget anything. Um, so, but so Snoop Dogg. I promise this is all related. Um, it, it has a in his late stage. He's just an entrepreneur and just does a whole bunch of stuff. Um, he has a brand of wine called Nineteen Crimes, and then. I was like, yeah, whatever. It's 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 mid-range wine. Like generally most of these bottles you can get at Safeway or Trader Joe's and they're between like 10 and $22 each. So like it's 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 whatever. But uh Martha Stewart, who uh fa- famous uh chef, home tastemaker and wh- whatever and then <laughs> convicted of insider trading and she got she got fucked on that and that was that was dumb. But she has uh, a varietal or uh, the the Chardonnay that Snoop Dogg's wine label has is called uh, Martha's Shard. And yeah, I don't know. You were unaware of that. And if anybody else out there is unaware of that, it exists. And you can get it for $13 at uh, Target or the Safeway. I feel an obligation to try these. So we'll, we'll circle back to that at some point. Okay, because you're you're not you're not a, you're not that much of a wine household on on the daily or or on in in non entertaining contexts. So I, I appreciate you. Yeah, I'm, I I look forward to uh, your wife wondering why you bought that because <laughs> you can't you can't you just have to show up with it. You can't say it. Car- Carlos told me to. 
well no because that because i'm already on the hook for any time i i make you buy something photography related <laughs> that's fair I feel, but i feel although, like those words probably mean uh this is going to be expensive and this is actually not <laughs> it often does right. yeah yeah Okay, and then the last thing before uh, is you apparently were unaware of what an affogato is. Uh, that is the perfect nighttime application of espresso, which is basically um, generally a scoop of a vanilla gelato, but it can also be ice cream. And you just do a one and a half to two ounce uh, espresso double shot directly on top of it, and it is delicious. And generally, because of the of the ice cream, will not give you quite as much of a caffeine kick yeah i'm a little ashamed to admit i've never had one of these i'm sure i've heard this word before I've, i'm sure i've seen them on menus and whatnot but it sounds sounds delicious i i, I like ice cream and i really like espresso so yeah i feel like if you're somebody who is sensitive to caffeine late in the day i'm sure this can be a a, a brunch um what, uh, whatever the midday equivalent of a nightcap would be. Have we have we talked about the effects of of caffeine or kind of like the the times where you can, or at least where I can drink espresso slash can't drink espresso? Have have we talked about that? We haven't, but I also I I object to your uh, proclivity to um well, eh, whatever. I'll, I'll go. I'll call you out. That's fine. What what, what do you object to? What do I do? Uh, that you are somebody like there are several people I know that do this uh, who will cancel out. A, a very uh, good meal with a uh, with an espresso at the end of a meal because mm. you can no longer taste the <laughs> sometimes costly uh, depending on where you're dining. Like like yeah that that yeah that, that kind of like it, yes I get in theory what like a dessert espresso would do but that yeah it's it's a strong enough flavor where you are yeah you know, you're not you're the meal has now been erased and i find hmm. that challenging St- strong disagree but we'll, we'll we'll come back to that maybe um so for me but just like we were talking about it if, if you want an after dinner espresso which which i sometimes do at restaurants no problem at all sleeping that night no 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 but, issue whatsoever but also some real-time follow-up of why that would be the case is that that was that's usually paired with two cocktails that will Fair. like they, they there's yeah. a there's a ba- there's a life is about balance and those those things in terms of <laughs> yeah those, those something that makes you a little bit tired and relaxed and something that makes you a little bit peppy like it's it's yeah hakuna matata yeah no you're 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 right um, Wait, that, that's not what that means it means, <laughs> it means no worries right. <laughs> potato potato there uh, you go <laughs> um but yeah no an espresso I feel like, I feel like this line's actually crept up over time. Like it used to be anything before like three o'clock was okay. Now it's like even two o'clock is starting to get a little little dicey. Um, but no, you're 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 probably right. Big meal, a couple of adult beverages. That it's it's um, there's more more to it than I guess just time of day. So maybe the whole premise to this is is faulty, but. Well, no, it's fine. Like, it's fine. Like, I, I don't, I'm not sure I have to be super, like, my sleep schedule is so, uh, bleeped, but like, like, but it's just, it's, it's, it's bad. So therefore I, if, if a a four o'clock, uh, ice latte is what's doing me in, there's so many other factors that like, yeah, it's, it's a lost cause of trying to think about that, but, uh, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see tonight. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, avocados. They're great. You should try them, especially if you have an espresso machine at home because it's the world's easiest dessert. It makes you mm-hmm. feel fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have a fast track and I'm still getting toll violations. I get like one every three months and it's really pissing me off. And uh, now my they're trying to charge me $82 for an $8 toll on my car registration. And I'm super mad. That's not going to be a full topic. I'm just pissed. What 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 happened? I have a fast track and I went and downloaded the logs and then they're like, yeah, you, we, we definitely charged you for this. And then I told them, hey, you tr- I, and I said it nicely, like you charged me for this. And then they're like, no. And now I, I'm not going to go fight with the DMV over it. So therefore an $8.05 Golden Gate Bridge toll is now $82 on my vehicle registration. Mm. Fucking mad. Hmm. But again, I'm I'm I know we have we have we have this we've had this discussion in the past. My sliding scale on like what my time's worth. Yours is much higher than mine, but I feel like this is I don't I don't want to spend three hours on this. So do, do you do you have any idea why this happened? No, because well, because like uh, they do with all the bay, uh, like the Golden Gate Bridge went uh, human free or like toll taker list. I forget what the. It's oh sorry, all electronic tolling that that happened in like 2018. But then when the pandemic happened, all of the other Bay Area bridges went that way, and uh, they have cameras. And if you don't have a fast track, they'll just send you a bill. Send you a bill, and if you don't pay it, like if you're just an out of out of area person, um, you can go. They'll send you an invoice, and you can pay it online. Or if you don't, they will just add it to your. They will hold your registration and just add it there. But- but don't you have your license plate associated I, to your... I do. You betcha. That's the and part my, I don't get. Uh, well, again, they charge me for it. That's the thing. It, 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 it The system worked. Either one, either like my, the fast track beeped or they scanned the plate and I got charged for it. Like it's in, like it, if you can get an Excel sheet that shows you every single like bridge you cross and the timestamps match up and they're like, yeah. They didn't say no. They just gave me a non-answer, and apparently it never got resolved. So, fucking mad. So, so you you called them and presented all of this information, and they just were I emailed. Like, I emailed. I assume hmm. I waited on hold for a while, but I emailed. I'm st- uh, anyway. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very frustrated. Mm-hmm. And now I'm gonna have to in order. So now I have to buy cheap Martha Stewart wine because I have this eighty-two dollar toll. So. Yeah. <laughs> I thought no, you were going to uh, say well, to um, offset the um, caffeine intake from your latte. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, that's it for me. I'm going to let you drive for the rest of this. <laughs> um, so, well, I was, I was going to say a couple of quick follow-up items, but I think there's <laughs> one, one quick one and perhaps one not so quick one. So we've um, we've talked a lot lately about live sports rights. Um, and, and have talked a little bit more about this whole um, Bally Regional Sports Network bankruptcy case. And there's there's been some additional information that's that's come out of a combination of the baseball season starting up with spring training over the last week. And baseball is is probably the league that's kind of most impacted by that whole um, regional sports network situation. And then I think there's some um, 
some debt payment or, or something or other that's coming due like in the next week or two that's also kind of this big um this big kind of mile marker in the whole process and so these two things have come together um and generated a lot of news about you know what's baseball going to do if if you know Bally sports does end up going bankrupt and we'll, we'll put some links in the notes there's an espn article and there's an athletic article um my takeaway after reading both is that baseball doesn't quite know what it's going to do. I mean, I don't think anybody does at this point, but I guess the big takeaway is that um, sports rights are going to be really, really interesting, not just this year with baseball, but as we've been talking about over the next you know handful of years, just with kind of the whole TV model and and the um you know the cable bundle specifically kind of breaking apart and how that was a kind of a key um foundational piece to to sports rights in the past it's now that that's you know not not there or at least not there in the way that it was it's just going to be interesting to see how this all kind of shakes out so that makes sense but well i mean i th- i feel like your skepticism skep Decism is well founded, but I mean, Bob Mansford said he's he's going to be driving the boat, so it's fine. <laughs> so in a, in a press conference talking about the creation of uh, an economic reform committee, what is that? It's not like going to switch to socialism. Uh, we need to, we 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 got, uh, sorry he didn't say weave. We got to find a new model. Manfred said maybe we ought to be driving the boat. What the model looks like. So that's the new challenge. This guy, the guy who who inked a FTX partnership so that there was a crypto company on every umpire's jersey, and had never saw money he didn't like, like mm. baseball has so many problems. One, season's too long. Two, game's kind of boring. And also the in the increper the like the whole betting thing that I think because that, that that's my worry is that they're gonna see that hey we're making less money on these RSM deals that they're just gonna lean so fucking hard into the into the bet MGM and the, the fan duel and all that kind of stuff like much it's been like passive in a lot of ways up until the past couple of years like it used to be like oh hey the um like the 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 bullpen has a fan duel logo and something in it but now like the whole like betting line stuff like it's just gonna get so much worse and i feel like it's gonna hit mlb the hardest because like it's just it's the it's the sport that's most on the decline Mm-hmm. all right um yeah unfortunately i think we have to talk about this it's fine okay so you get you gave a you gave a recommendation last week uh to watch a new hot show that is that that was your point that it cracked the top 10 uh all shows that people are watching on u.s streaming Mm-hmm. yeah can, can you give people a quick rundown of what the show is so shrinking well i i, I won't go too much into the the plot here um it's a um dark comedy is not the right description i don't think um dramedy is that is that a a phrase people still use um um, yeah um with you know jason siegel harrison ford i mean i've described it on the last couple of weeks I, i i think it's 
fantastic. It's one one of one of my um um favorite shows in in, in a while. Um, and you you finally jumped on the bandwagon this past week, but feels mm. like you have um different feelings as do other folks on the internet, which is um, something that prior to tonight I had been kind of blissfully ignorant of. But it wasn't one of these from the, from your beloved The Ringer. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't agree with everything from from them. So this this isn't the first time that they've had a they've had a take that's wrong. But so that's okay. I'm not gonna give. It, I'm not gonna give any spoilers. But like, I will give a slightly more in depth preview because I oh, feel like I don't. Also, not 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 to interrupt, but one thing that I actually was caught a little off guard by is apparently critics have been shown the first nine episodes of the show, uh-huh. which so which, which it um, doesn't get better. Well, but also like I I I don't I didn't realize that until I got you know pretty deep into this ringer article and then i stopped reading because i i don't want to know i don't oh, no, there's know no spoilers stuff. there's no spoilers eh, there there was some stuff that if they hadn't if it if it was stuff that hadn't already happened in the show i would have been a little irritated to read hmm okay well you can edit out if any of this is spoilery but i don't think it is because i assume tv shows have trailers right like I assume if you went on Apple's website, there's probably some 90 second thing that just is like, hey, hey, here's why you'd watch this. There is. Yeah. Okay. So Jason Siegel, who is somebody I, so there, there's, so one of the worst shows on television in the past 15 years is a show called How I Met Your Mother. Do you agree with that statement? I've, I've never watched it. Okay. I know. I mean, I know of it, but I've never, never seen it. It was a bad show then. And it is in terms of uh, being problematic, has aged terribly. Um, and Jason Siegel was kind of just like, he, he was actually probably one of the, he was probably the most likable person on it, but he was very, he, he has a uh, type of, char- like this is, uh, this is, he's not typecast here. Like it's a very different character than he's normally playing. And I think he's been in a couple like Muppet movies. Like he, he's, he's an actor who kind of got pigeonholed in a certain way. And this is, I, I do appreciate this. This is a departure for him or something that's more unique. So his whole deal, like th- this isn't a surprise. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about, else about the family dynamics, but so he's a struggling with personal issues therapist in Pasadena, California. His wife died about a year ago and he is navigating life and professional challenges beyond that with his daughter and other things in life. And the gist of it is that he is a he has a realization that causes him to be a much more hands-on, engaged, uh, and some and somewhat unconventional therapist. That's pretty much it. Like, does that sound like a decent summary? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> the first episode's not bad. It doesn't get better from there. I would say actually the first episode is kind of strong, but by episodes. Four and five, it actually shows that it's quite not good. So I guess one of the key things that I have. So so again, the cast characters are so or actors. So it's Jason Siegel, uh, Jessica Williams, who was a correspondent on The Daily Show, and had a couple of projects on HBO. And I and I generally genuinely really like her. And then um, and they they're all like one therapist office. And then there's uh, Harrison Ford, who people will know as who in Star Wars. <laughs> Hans. Wait, he he. Okay, yeah. Uh, it was gonna, it was either him or Obi Wan, and good. Took it. Took it. Took a guess. Um. 
I don't like Harrison Ford. I don't is that that's not controversial, is it? Um I don't know if it's Be- controversial. I would say it's probably not the majority opinion, but like because because I have no affinity for Star Wars, the way I know of Harrison Ford is he's just kind of a dick. Like he's just like his his late stage persona on like talk shows and stuff is just that like he's kind of over Hollywood. It, or do you not follow that part of of his career, or is that off base? No, that's that's fair. Like so, therefore, I don't. I'm not really in, into that. Like, I don't find it that he's like, cause one of the other articles when I was looking like, cause I was like, when, after I watched three episodes, I was kind of like, wait, am I just missing the point or am I, is this, am I getting it wrong? And people were like, this is his first like successful transition into co- comedy. And like, maybe, but it's kind of like, I don't, I don't have the cultural reference point where him being a little bit silly or kind of like the serious like veteran who gets who whack like zany characters around him break him out of like that doesn't land with me so therefore i just don't find like i guess like is part of the reason why you like the show because you like harrison ford yes okay and d is part of it that you think oh this is him in a unique situation definitely yeah yeah, it does. It does, does. It rings so hollow. I, I just, I don't care. Like, I do like when, like, there's not a spoiler, but like his interactions with the younger characters on the show, like that does feel kind of genuine. Like, I, I, I like it. But the interactions at the office, I, I just, I don't buy most of it. And there's more details being filled in as to the interpersonal, like, and family dynamics of who each person like it's it's interesting but it's just not it's not that great so i guess my my main critique here is that the premise of the show is solid the acting for the most part is solid a lot of the elements of the show just don't fit together like i don't know like it's not even like the 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 his um interactions with the patients is implausible which it is but like the 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 summary that one of the art, other, other articles said was that this show desperately wants you to like it that is true like each character is like acting so like the acting itself like the art of acting is so aggressively like latch on to my character like even though Jason Siegel is like very muted in the show in certain situations because of his personal situation, like it's it's still very over the top. I don't know. Hmm. I'm going to keep watching, but like it's yeah, and just a lot of the like the the plot becomes unbelievable and far less strong. After the first two episodes. Like, yeah, like I was very um, intrigued by the the neighbor who played. Uh, what was her name? Do you know? Uh, so you're, the character Liz, do you, uh, do you recognize the actress? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I did. Do you? Did you ever watch uh, the Drew Carey show? Oh, 
I did. Now, okay. She, she's yeah. Kate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, she has aged extremely well. Like, no, she, like, like no, she, uh, like, she's delightful. But her character, man, like, it, it be- becomes far less interesting and believable real quick. So that bums me out. I don't know. Like, that had a lot of potential. And also, uh, anyway, I, I don't know how much therapists make. But, isn't, but I guess, just, like, I, but I, isn't part of the show being a little ridiculous and sometimes a little over the top like i actually um uh, i think both articles or at least the ringle article that you sent over you know really leaned heavily into the fact that you know a lot of the creative team is from ted lasso and that you know the structure of the show um and the style of the show is very similar maybe i'm just sort of a (laughs) rookie tv viewer i didn't i didn't really pick up on that um, oh no that's so that's the other part that i forgot no like it, it has it has underpinnings way too much of like heart of gold like like no that's the thing every character is too like earnest and and it it feels like more sweary ted lasso in southern california like like jason siegel's character is too goofy harrison ford similarly he's supposed to be kind of the what's the name of, of boss lady on ted lasso i'm i'm so bad with character names i couldn't oh, so H- hannah hannah waddingham's character i like again I, I know actresses or actors but like yeah like it's it's very much like yeah she eventually kind of loosens up a little bit same thing with harrison ford like jessica williams who's a fantastic actress mostly exists just to kind of like be a connection for um, like character development and to just say witty thing like it's just it it doesn't work but it is too too earnest and i do think like the i don't know how long like i don't know if the character the first patient that i mean this is hard to do without spoilers uh the first like patient that that intersects with his life and his newfound approach to therapy like, I don't know if he's going to be on all season, but like, I feel like that is very much kind of like has like a strong Ted Lasso-y element in terms of like not what you thought and more earnest than you thought. Like it, every character, like I do think the part like we're just like everybody really wants you to like them and they're just like being super heavy handed on like this is a show that takes on maybe kind of an interesting or serious topic, but it's likable and, and you're going to find something to laugh at. But you're also gonna think like I just I think it's it's doing too much and it doesn't know what it actually is. Huh? I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm just not watching TV critically enough. If that makes sense, like I I I've, I've really I've really enjoyed it. I am going to say some things once the show's over that I think I can I can fill in all the stuff that I'm skirting around that is not that makes it not as good as it could be okay yeah it it's not not worth watching like i do like it um kind of like <laughs> this is this is a terrible endorsement but like it's just i this kind of goes with the hamilton thing where i i've talked about my big character flaw is that if something is well liked by a lot of people i it comes in for me with points against and i kind of want to not like it and then frequently I'm wrong and then I'm 
super into something like that. But yeah, I do. I do think it's kind of a mess. I think it's one of those shows. It's it's very. It's kind of like an Aaron Sorkin show in the sense that it has a really strong pilot, and then uh, this goes up, not off the rails, but it just it it can't can't stay there. The one thing I will say that's great is that um, seminal to a lot of people our age, uh, the theme song from the show is by Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie, so it definitely has a very aging millennial like kind of twee uh aesthetic musically so that's yeah i i i was i was proud of myself there the the lady friend during one of the first couple of episodes that we watched asked she's like hey do you like do you know who seen thing you know sings this this opening theme song and i'm like i i don't know but it, it sounds a lot like death cab for cutie and you know about that band there there we go sure of course no interesting did you go to the concert at ucsb no so we had oh man that, so that was the thing so uh so i'm sorry i, don't, I was gonna say this is a reference for i don't know who this is a reference for but yeah ucsb in uh or uh our alma mater uh we registered i'm, I'm just saying we i don't i i was already registered to vote i didn't have any role in this but as a campus we registered the most students to vote in 2009 or something and that won us a uh concert uh by Death Cap for Cutie and in the uh, Thunderdome, and I went, and I still have the little wristband on my little uh, memento wall. Yeah, yeah I, I vaguely remember that. Um, also, very only very tangentially related. Um, yeah, one of the things I was always bummed to miss because it happened a couple of years before our freshman year there. Um, Everclear, which was the um, that was my first CD I ever bought, was one of theirs. Uh, they performed um, not even like in the Thunderdome. I think it was like in the USEN. It was like a real small thing, and that mm. uh, that would have. Uh, I'm so I'm so bummed I didn't get to see that. But yeah. An- anyway, and then <clears throat> one last point on shrinking, which is that I, I guess I think I know why it speaks to you. Also, there was a thing where because I wasn't I wasn't sure if this was one of their songs, but there's a very elaborate thing where people are listening to or singing uh Sunday Morning by Sugar Ray. Oh, oh that yes, that was a um that was a fantastic scene. I think I I turned to the lady friend when we were watching that and said something to the effect of never never thought I'd see Harrison Ford singing Sugar Ray in in a in a Model X nonetheless that's hit, the problem hits, hits, but, hits so, the, again checks no, the no, so so, spo- so spoilers here not spoilers again i don't so this does not seem like i mean pasadena is a upscale like upper middle class like wealthy area but i don't how how can jessica williams her name is her character's name gabby like the the model x is like a hundred twenty thousand dollar car like that's not that, that that's another thing that just doesn't match up with the people on screen I don't know. It's just like that's for like a 29 year old therapist. Like she must be doing very, very, very well. Sort of like in the morning show, how um, everybody in uh, TV media apparently is like a multimillionaire. Ugh, you guys still haven't watched season two? No, we were. Don't. We're, don't, we're, 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 we're a couple episodes in. I, I wasn't going to make it a show topic. I was going to save that more for. Um, an offline so, offline conversation. I'm, I'm, we, I'm not wrong. It's one of the worst seasons of television on ever, right? Yeah, we'll we'll talk we'll talk more next week. When you have more data points, or because you're wait, it it's so bad. It, okay, it, it 
it is you're not wrong so i'm i don't mean to make but you should maybe have like three bottles of wine on hand for when you watch (laughs) the last episode which may be the worst hour of television that has of any show that is allegedly supposed to be good (sighs) does does anybody does anybody think it's good anymore i i genuinely liked season one i thought i I thought season was like was was a very clear and like it's not it's not mad men but it was like a it was a thoroughly entertaining and had like a complete story arc and that was pretty good Hmm. yeah you didn't like it i I thought i thought it was fine yeah, I would say I would say it was, it was above fine. <laughs> above, I was gonna say above average, but like it was, it was, it was yeah, it's fine. Anyway, okay. Anyway, shrinking. Sure, if you if you already pay for Apple TV Plus, give it a watch. Um, and then before you get super excited about the first episode, maybe watch the second one and then uh, temper expectations. Hmm. All right. Yeah, it was. It's not a. It's not a bad pick, but. Just there was a lot of there was a lot of praise up front that definitely made me think it was gonna be better. Um, kick the chat GPT stuff down the road again. Yeah, I I I feel like we should. I'm I'm so glad we didn't talk about it last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have been a conversation that was out of date even before it, it was posted i mean a lot a lot has changed and feels like is still changing so yeah i'm fine skipping that okay um what, what's okay. going, what's going you, on with you and airplay no it's just and i don't know if it was cursed because uh um jason and dan talked about this on the six colors podcast but no i don't know why like my airplay too like because i don't use the sonos app just because I, I don't always listen to music on Sonos. Like I, I will frequently just do podcasts, and you can't airplay. You can't. Can you actually even play a podcast in the Sonos app? Like you can't. Like audio that's coming from your phone, you can't just. It, that has to be airplayed, right? Cool. Like if you're doing Pandora, or Apple Music, or Spotify, that, like those have hooks into the right. Sonos app correct yeah yeah so because i just like being able to have like whatever my phone is playing on a couple of speakers when i'm at home like that means i'm using like airplay 2 exclusively and i don't know if there's a coincidence but like the success rate of being able to connect to a bunch of the speakers in my apartment just doesn't work like my move and my bose soundbar just are frequently inaccessible a lot of the time and like I thought, like oh, okay, maybe the move is in like power saving mode, but no, like even the soundbar that I have, which previously had no issues, it's plugged in and on all the time, and that one is equally unreliable. Like where when you select it as a <clears throat> as a destination to play to, like it'll just do that little spinner thing for about fifteen seconds, and then say, okay, move one was not accessible, and then that's it. Yeah, I don't know. it's just not very good. I unplugged and replugged all the speakers in, and it got a little bit better. And I rebooted the Eero, but I don't think that's the issue either. It's just, yeah, kind of stinks right now. Yeah, I mean that's that's disappointing. I mean, not to be that guy, but um, AirPlay's mm-hmm. pretty rock solid for me. I I don't know if 
maybe that has anything to do with um being like exclusively in the Sonos ecosystem. I I can't imagine that's making any difference. Um like only because even if I don't involve the Bose soundbar, like even if I even if I just say like, hey, play at my desk, play in the kitchen and play on the move, it that doesn't work. Hmm. Yeah. Or, or one or one or more of the speakers in that rotation will not work. Yeah, it's weird. I mean I I never really have any sort of initial connection issue. I can even, you know, bring multiple devices together and, you know, airplay them together. Um, yeah, that's been, I, I used to have a lot of trouble with that. I felt like, especially, um, when we moved here into the house and then, well, under the common denominator, I'm, I'm kind of realizing here is zero. Um, I've actually, for, for actually Dan and Jason too, now that I think about it, um, I, I had some trouble then it felt like, especially if the phone that I was airplaying from was moving around the house and maybe was switching from one Eero base station to another, it felt like maybe that was part of the problem as well. Yeah, um, but my, I, I have a 680 square foot apartment and I have one Eero. Well, I think so, so, so I, it's not a node or a mesh thing. I think that's kind of how Jason's set up is too. I think he basically has like one main Eero that he's on most of the time. So I, I, I don't, yeah, maybe there's something to it being an Eero thing. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's but I mean, been, but I've, but it's, it's recent though. That's the thing. Like it, I've been well, on didn't, Eero Didn't since, you get your, well, but you got your, but did you, were, you weren't on Eero before this fancy one you got, were you? Weren't you on your $4,000 ubiquity thing? Well, yeah, but, but it's, I've been using this Eero for like, I got it around Thanksgiving and it's, it's only been an issue recently. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. It's it's kind of annoying, but I don't like it's 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 not a huge issue, but it's just kind of irritating. Yeah, no, AirPlay should be like rock solid. It's one of those things where even if its success rate is ninety five percent, like that's that's not that's not good enough. Uh, you want to talk about podcasts real quick? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so there was an article in the Times, was it? Yeah. <sighs> So much like the the whole tech recession and a lot of other stuff, like when, when money stopped being super cheap, apparently a lot of economics about a lot of stuff changed. Um, so you'll put a link in the show notes, but this is kind of talking about like is Spotify pulling back from podcasts and just kind of podcasts as a, like a land rush, like what's the, you know, a, <clears throat> the gold rush period of podcasting kind of fell apart really, 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 really fast. And this is after what they pay, like fucking, they gave like Joe Rogan like $400 million or something. Like there, there's just, there's been a lot of money that flowed into podcasting really, really fast. And that era is over, which I think we both probably agree is good. Yes. So this, I don't actually think this, this part is actually that interesting. And I'm curious to know if you know any podcast listeners who are not like tech people because i guess like i'm just curious as to whether or not like because there's either you either think about podcasts as maybe being like hey like the stuff that we listen to even if it's not tech like if, if it's stuff that's released maybe once every one to two weeks and it's just people that talk about a thing that they like or are knowledgeable about whether that be sports or like a, a ringer like 
what is it called? The rewatchables. Like there's many, many podcasts that come out on a regular schedule that have like a set host or group of hosts that like, it fits like what people think of as what podcasts were before serial came out. And this, there's been like this whole cottage industry, like the, of like podcasts as mini series where it's just kind of like, let's make this really highly produced six to 10 episode thing to tell a story. Like I know like back when like the Theranos thing came out, like there were like two or three podcasts that were all about like, let's just go super long and deep on this one thing. And this is like what it is, but I just don't know anybody who subscribes to a podcast that doesn't come out regularly. Like the idea of a, limited run podcast makes no sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. But do you, but do you know anybody or have you ever heard of anybody who like actually has subscribed to a podcast? That's like an entertainment podcast that is like not a regular thing. Not, not really. No, because like that's that's the thing that so many of these like big money deals were is that you get big names and you get celebrities on it and they create a thing. But like who like Tom Brady and whoever, like they're not going to sit down and do like a weekly thing. So like I just yeah, like this gold rush, like it just it never made any sense. And I don't get who it was for. Like, for as much as you can fault Spotify for throwing so much money at a schmuck like Joe Rogan, at the very least, he creates regular content and had a big audience. Like, whether or not it was a good idea to to paywall that, or or not even paywall it, but they put it behind the free version of Spotify, so you had to download the app. Like, whether or not that was a good idea, like, he is the type of content creator that kind of fits what a podcast is, where all these other ones, like, didn't somebody pay the Obamas like a whole bunch of money to make a podcast? Like it's just stuff like that where that's, I don't see how that's actually delivering a lot of value to listeners. Like people just aren't meeting people where they are, even though I hate that phrase. Like that's just not podcasting became like an entertainment medium, but not entertainment in the way that the listeners actually wanted it to be. They thought of it as, the way Hollywood and previous legacy media wanted entertainment to work because that's how it's always worked. And they thought this was going to be a new platform to make that happen. And it never was and never will be. Yeah. The, the money always seemed way out of whack with the, the industry itself and the engagement with the, the industry, which I mean, podcasting is not the only place <laughs> where that's that's happening now but it 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 definitely felt that way um especially so with podcasting and I, and I say that as somebody who absolutely loves podcasts you know listens to as many as i possibly can listen listens to you know generally at least one every day but all of the money that's poured in over the last number of years just never really made sense to me there's also kind of a complicated dynamic too with um particularly spotify where Mm -hmm. some of the money there 
wasn't even necessarily about podcasting itself, but was kind of a way to, you know, try to minimize music royalties being paid, you know, keeping folks engaged, but not having to, you know, pay out associated, you know, music um, rights. So some of that gets kind of complicated too. Well, I mean, so that strategy could have made sense. And I, and I don't think it was that they thought their own produced content was going to be that. I think it was that their strategy was that if you get some big names that get people to think, hey, Spotify podcasting, a lot of the listen time to content that was not made by them would keep them in the app and avoid paying for music royalties. Like it's the same like what so Spotify bought Gimlet. Where did you ever listen to any Gimlet shows? I probably not. No. Yeah. But like, yeah, it was the whole thing of like if you introduce people to this different type of content and it's in the same app, then yeah, that might ultimately um reduce the amount that they're paying on royalties. But because Spotify went so big and so hard on the amount of money that they spent on so many different like either podcast companies or individual hosts, like they would have the adoption rate of people listening to podcasts in the Spotify app would have had been so high to ever make that make sense. Mm-hmm. And then real quick, there is one comment. I didn't never read the comments, but on this New York times article, which I actually do think is kind of fairly succinctly sums it up. It says, uh, quote, I feel like most podcast listeners aren't as obsessed with celebrities as the company who make, who made these giant deals. The best podcasts are made by people who love the work for people who enjoy listening to something interesting. It's hard to believe a big name who's dipping into the medium for a big paycheck will really have much to say. Like that's it. Like, it's just like the funnest, the most fun podcasts to listen to are just people who are either super funny, super smart, are just doing it because that's what they like and want to talk about. And it's the appropriate medium for it. And then hopefully the either like subscription or ad economics for it work. But like, yeah, somebody on a multi-million dollar contract to do a thing is probably going to have a lot less to say than somebody who just really is passionate about whatever topic they're informing somebody about, having a discussion about, or, or joking around about. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Anything else that's timely or important? Um... The Tesla stuff, I don't think is actually that because, like, no, it, you know, it's not it, a recall in the sense that, like, yeah, yeah it, it's a little bit of a nothing burger. But it is. All right, I guess I have a couple other quickies, and then we'll we'll head to chef specials and making this a fast one. Uh, coffee wise, oh, for your affogato, uh, I do have to say, as somebody who's a coffee snob and is very much about like fancy boutique roasters and stuff like that. The blue bottle espresso beans that you can buy at almost any grocery store, they're very reliable and pretty dang good. So who who are you getting your beans from these days? Um there's a um there's an um an Italian um bean that um the lady's friend dad kinda introduced me to a while ago. Um that's that's our um our go to. I don't have a link handy, but I'll I'll get you one. Okay. Um, I've so I, I love Blue Bottle. I think I'm sure we've talked about them many times on the show. Um, and I, I've bought their espresso beans a couple of times, and I, I thought they I thought they were fine. Do do they have more than one? 
uh, your 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 reaction to the espresso beans is basically my reaction to shrinking. Um, uh, no, they just have one. They either okay. have, I think it's called like their bold, their light, or their espresso blend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've we've definitely bought that a couple of times. I in fact, I think it was one of those things where I was really excited to try them. You know, shortly after we got the Breville, and was like, oh, these these are okay, and then maybe like. A couple of years later, I think this was like somewhat recently, we needed some beans. And I thought, oh, let's, and I saw Blue Bottle. I thought, oh, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's get those. I think we've had them before, but let's try them again. And kind of had the same thing like, eh, yeah, they're, they're okay. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've, I've found very good, consistent, reproducible re- uh, results with them. Hmm. Other, to give shout outs to other local Bay Area stuff. Uh, Andy Town, uh, Sight Glass, and uh, Verve Coffee Roasters are currently probably my top three. So, uh, all of which that are available at your local Whole Foods. Um, and then, actually, re- related, and again, this is not a knock against Andy Town. This is more of a rant against Square. So, going so Square with the whole tipping thing, yeah, we we covered that. But Square has something that I that I really resent, which is that if you ever make a purchase somewhere and you use a credit card you've previously used with Square, Square will automatically opt you into newsletters and promotions from that merchant without your consent, which I really dislike. Like, do you ever somehow, like, start getting ads and, like, coupons from a place that you never actually signed up for? Yeah, I feel like I've had basically the same thing that happened to you at Andytown happen to me. I can't can't think of, like, a specific example right now, but... Yes, I feel like I've had something similar happen. Well, well, so those are, I mean, those are two separate things, which is that like they will give your email address or not give your email address, but they will, Square will be the proxy that sends you promotions and newsletters from a merchant that you've interacted with. And that, and that's, that's super lame. But the one thing that was interesting, so I I visited Andy Town's new cafe over at Ocean Beach, um, which is beautiful. Um, and I pay and I tapped a paid and it was with an existing card that I used with Square before. And then my phone prompted me like in the Apple wallet app to say, do you want to load this new pass in for like their rewards program? Which I I don't like I I I understand again, like with business, like I understand that it's complicated and you want to try to create a sticky cut. Like I Again, very well versed with that, and, and, and I'm happy for them. But a a tap to pay transaction should never allow a the payment processor or a merchant to be able to try to load something on your phone, even if it's just asking if it can. Like tap to pay should be a one way thing. Yeah, really, really, really dislike that. Yeah. Yeah. Not not great. Yeah. Oh, uh, what I just guess. That's the um that's the espresso. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm buying coffee on Amazon. Uh I've bought it from Amazon once, but it it's usually some other like random coffee site I get this from. Yeah, that pricing is not bad. No, it's, normally it's you're, super, you're, yeah, super affordable. Normally with like uh fancy third wave coffees, you're getting like either twelve ounces of beans for between twelve and eighteen dollars. And if 27 bucks for two and a half pounds. That's, yeah. That's pretty damn good. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then was there one last thing or are we good? 
Uh, maybe we can, we can push that to another week. All um, right. Okay, I've, I've got one that either you're going to like or is going to make you mad. I, I forget where you stand on this now. Um, so I, I guess I'll start with a little bit of background. So, of course, longtime New York Times subscriber. Um, and I've also been um, a longtime um, athletic subscriber. And, of course, the New York Times bought The Athletic, what, a year or two ago. Um, and then I somewhat recently, right, have started, like, providing access to The Athletic if you um, sign up for The New York Times. What is it? They're all access um, thing mm-hmm. where you get, you know, obviously access to The New York Times and The Wire Cutter and basically everything they do. Games, all that. Um, but I, I – because I had um, – a separate athletic subscription, which, you know, I've been paying for like annually for a little while. It didn't really make sense to upgrade to the New York times all access thing. Cause then I'd basically be paying for the athletic twice. Cause I, and I didn't seem like there was any way to like, you know, get credit <laughs> for having already paid for the athletic or anything. Um, but I was kind of interested in, in going with that bundled route for, for a reason we're about to get to. Um, my annual athletic subscription is just coming up. And so I, this was, cause this was now the chance to kind of make the switch over. So I, I canceled that standalone subscription and then upgraded to the New York times all access thing, which actually, you know, as someone who was paying for both previously ends up being a pretty, pretty good deal. Um, and the thing that's great about the New York times all access, um, uh, bundle or whatever you want to call it is, you get access to New York Times cooking, which is really great. The recipes that I've tried so far have been really solid. The iOS app is kind of fantastic. Um, mm. it's, 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 it's good stuff, and I'm, I'm really glad I have access to it. Also, as just somebody who's, you know, been kind of, you know, baking and cooking a little bit more and has been, you know, kind of trying to make some new things over, you know, in the kitchen. Like it's, it's, it's a really, it's a good, good resource. So I guess the pick is, is specifically the New York times cooking service or I don't know what you want to refer to it as. And then also kind of a, a shout out to the, the New York times all access, um, subscription too. as someone who's into the athletic, into the New York times, that ends up being a, a decent deal. Interesting. I, I actually, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure why you would worry that I would object to that. Like, I'm pretty sure I've actually made that a pick before, but yeah, like you, well, you were, I think you were for a while, um, not happy that you didn't just get access to cooking that you had to like pay extra for it. Right. Oh no, totally. But I, but in terms of, uh, all access being a pretty decent deal, like, cause I was previously paying 15 or $17 a month just for the New York times. And then I was paying, you had to pay, cause that's the thing they nickel and dime you, but you had to pay like four or five dollars a month for the crossword and then you also had to pay for myt cooking and then with the athletic like it eventually all made sense but yeah no it's a good deal and if you have certain american express cards they you'll get a credit of twenty dollars a month against the all-access subscription on top of bonus points at resi apparently um so yeah so let me actually on that note for nyt cooking uh, two recipes that you should have that you should try if you haven't already. Ooh. Um, and then I, I I forget if you told me about these gingerbread latte cookies, but I, but I've made both of these and pretty good. 
Wait, there's another. I, I gave you the. You gave me the silo cookies. I gave you. Well, I gave you those, but then well, I didn't. I don't know if I gave you the recipe, but I at least I made for you the blue bottle um, ginger no, no, molasses that, cookies. No, but you should give me that recipe again because I keep meaning to make that. Because I have never made the imitation blue bottle cookies. Yeah, those are those are good. They're they're kind of a pain in the butt to make, but they're they're good. Yeah, but these uh, these gochujang cookies are very good, which uses mm-hmm. a spicy uh, fermented uh, chili paste. Um, yeah, it's it's like a spicy snickerdoodle. I'm into it. Mm. And these these gingerbread latte cookies, I'm very into these too. Oh yeah, they turn out great. They're on my Instagram. You can look at how pretty they came out. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't actually have a pick this week, so I will co-sign yours and then tell people to go make these two these two cookies. 